Hey, welcome to another episode of the Delayed Gratification Podcast, where we talk about building wealth with some amazing people that are inspirational, y'all. We're going on a journey today, and I'm super excited. Uh, I met this young lady not that long ago, but I watched her, <laughs> and I know uh, that you guys are going to be inspired, you're going to learn a lot, and we're going to build some wealth together. So, again, welcome to the Delayed Gratification Podcast. Um, today, we have one of my, I'm going to say my good friends now. There right, and there once you shake hands, and you eat together. You friends, right? Listen, <laughs> right. welcome, welcome to the Thank to the you. show. Thank Sway. you for having me. Thank Can you, you introduce yourself? Absolutely, my name is Patrice McKinney. Um, I go by Sway underscore the Pro on social media, and that's me. That's who I am. I'm a CEO, entrepreneur, investor, author. Um, I own salon suite businesses, so I'm primarily in the hair and the beauty industry. I'm an educator as well, so I educate the barbers, the stylists on how to scale and operate their business professionally. Yes. Um, also teach people how to start their own salon suite business. And I'm also a franchisor, so people can franchise with my brand and open anywhere in the world. With you know what? Salon I, I've been, I'm, I'm so ready to get into this conversation because <laughs> it got it. some real estate stuff going on, Absolutely. a lot of real estate stuff going. Absolutely. But 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 I, how did you get started? Because you are an amazing CEO, like you, you just said, franchising, author, you're teaching folks. Where did this start from? Man, I feel like it started when I was young should i say i had the mindset when i was young you know i kind of knew that i would be where i'm at today super determined super ambitious growing up um you know i wouldn't say we were struggling but we you know we didn't have the most resources and the most finances but i was always just determined to take my family to that next level and um thankful for, to my mother for exposing us i think exposure is really big but we were, when we were younger we were in basketball so we would travel the world my mom would always introduce us to business owners and things on tv even if we could see it right then and there she would make sure she exposed us somehow some way um so i contribute a lot of that to my success today but i've always just been super ambitious um i was a basketball star i had the opportunity to go to the league hold on hold on hold on hold on, hold on. <laughs> you said star or you played basketball star i could oh dunk you could what i could dunk really literally google me i could dunk a, i could now let me Put this part in here. <laughs> <laughs> I could dunk a tennis ball. Now, I couldn't dunk a basketball because I couldn't grip it. But you could so, dunk. But yeah, but if I like a tip dunk, yeah. I you could still dunk. dunking? Ooh, probably not. I'm my, I uh, limped in here today. My knee a little swollen today from working out. But um, but I was really good. I had hops, so I was really known for jumping. I could okay. really just fly. Um, went to college D1 scholarship. Um, then I was on a coaching staff. And then I had the opportunity to go... Um, play professionally but i didn't want to it was just too demanding and the pay wasn't really good to be honest with you i'm gonna come I'm, i gotta come back to this so okay. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna i gotta go back to the childhood where okay. were you raised up at lansing michigan lansing michigan yep which is the capital of michigan people think it's detroit everybody it's, think it's detroit they think it's detroit <laughs> but it's lansing so it's about an hour away from detroit yes yep grew up in lansing went to lansing everett same high school magic johnson went to mm -hmm. actually went to school with his son um yep so it's a small town but made a big impact there so. And you were known for hooping. I was known for hooping. I was a so, so now I know that you have a twin. I do. Right? Yep. Both of y'all beautiful. <laughs> Thank right? you. Appreciate it. <laughs> did she play too? She did. Now, okay, hold on. She was on the team. <laughs> Don't do her like that because she's not here. Don't do her like that. She was on the team. Um, but, you know, she did play sometimes. She played. I used, to, I used to say all the time, she she didn't necessarily score, but she would not let you score either. So she was a good defender. She's a good defender. Sure. We need that. Now yeah, you got to have a Rodman and a Jordan. Absolutely. absolutely. So y'all grew up playing basketball, traveling, playing ball. Yeah. And so for you, you went to 
Where'd you go to school? I went to Michigan State. Michigan State. Michigan State. That's Spartans. Spartans. Okay. That's right. Yep. Uh, then I transferred to Eastern Michigan. Okay. And the coach at uh, Michigan State had some issues. Transferred to Eastern Michigan, graduated from Eastern Michigan, then went back with the coach who got hired at Michigan State from Eastern. I went with her to Michigan State, and I was on a coaching staff for about a year. Okay. Um, then I moved to Georgia. Then you moved to Georgia. Yeah. But, but we had some stuff happen because I heard you say you was on the coaching staff, yep. and you had a chance to play pro basketball. Correct. I did. In the WNBA. In the WNBA. Yep. Easily. And, I could have played easily. Um, and you declined it? I did. It was just, you know, just being completely transparent. I had friends that were in the WNBA, and they were just struggling. And like I said, the demand is so heavy there. You have to be there all day. You're traveling. And most WNBA players actually have a second job. People don't know this, but a lot of the college coaches are NBA players. So in the offseason, they go and they be an assistant coach at a college, or they have to go overseas. So they literally have to have a second job. That's how low they get paid. So <laughs> I understand why you declined that. Okay. But why do they get paid such a small amount? You know what? I just, of course, the you know, the revenue, they're, they're not generating as much. But I think, honestly, I think that they need to lower the rim a little bit. The reality of it is men are just born naturally stronger than women. Correct. They make us use the same. We, we do have a smaller ball, um, but they make us use the same rim height. If they would have just lowered the rim one foot, it would have been more exciting. I would have been banging on everybody. More women would have been banging, <laughs> seriously. And it would have been more entertaining. And I think that's what people, I think that's So why you think it's less entertaining, so. A little bit, I do. Because there's not a job of rent in the exactly, WBA. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So. Well, at least you figured it out and then put that on. So yeah. now you tell these folks, no, I'm not coming to the WNBA. Yes, I did. And the city was pretty upset about it. It was newspaper articles. Because so what I did was I decided to go pursue music. So me and my sister, we were artists at the time that I was in college. We had opened for like Lil Wayne. Do y'all do everything together? Almost. 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 Okay. So 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 you playing basketball. She playing basketball. Did yep. she play in college with you as well? She did not play in college. She was no. tired of that. She was tired. She, she was didn't tired. play our senior year in high school either. I don't think so. Yep. She's ready to keep them heels yeah, on. Yeah, she ain't want to sweat out her French roll. <laughs> so you, big deal in Lansing. Mm -hmm. You ever meet Magic? Yeah, yep. He so came to talk to us a couple times before our games, and then, like I said, his son was there, so he. So he knew who you. He knows you. Yeah. Okay. He should remember me. <laughs> we got to reach out to him. I want to check. Yeah, I'm gonna say, could she shoot? Could she shoot? <laughs> <laughs> so you say no, I'm not playing in the WNBA, but mm -hmm. you've been playing basketball all your life. Yeah. So what? What did you feel like not playing basketball? I just, like I said, I had friends that were in the league and seeing them just struggle and just be away from their family so much and be committed so much to the league and then have to go to another country to play just to pay bills for six months. I was like, I don't want to have to be going overseas. And even being a college coach is super time consuming. Like they want you there all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, and I experienced that at Michigan State for a year. So I was like, yeah, I can't do this. They want me literally here from morning to night. And you're making less than 100000 Exactly. You know what I mean? The men get fined more for cussing than some of the players, the women get for the whole year. You know what I mean? So back then, I remember the top player, it was like, I want to say maybe right at 100000 You know, and I know that like the Lisa Leslie's and stuff like that, they were getting money from endorsements. Yes. But the other players, it was like forty, fifty thousand. 50000 And you still got to pay taxes. Still got to pay, okay. Still got to. <laughs> still got to pay taxes. <laughs> And you got to go find a job in the off season. So I said, you know what? I'll just own the team. Like I said, I received a lot of backlash because everyone expected me to go to the league. 
Um, but I just had a bigger vision, and I think it was one of the best decisions I made. So I ain't mad. What was that vision though? What did you see I at s- that time? I said, like I said, I'm a own a team. I'm not about to be playing for no team, getting this little bit of money, and just all around the world. So I was like, I'm a own a team. And then there was just other things I wanted to do. I wanted to pursue pursue the music, the modeling. I wanted to be a serial entrepreneur, and I felt like committing to the WBA wouldn't allow me to do that. Now, if they was paying like the NBA, I would be right you there. You went through thing. with it still. Because you're still young. Absolutely. A lot of people still young. Yeah. So so you were doing music while you were in college or after? In uh, college. So in literally college. in college, we had games. And there was nights where, like I said, me and my twin opened for Lil Wayne at Michigan State um, Stadium. Um, Jeezy, Rick Ross. Were y'all rapping? Rapping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to unsee. Now, when songs. I see her now, I'm going to be like, she was not rapping. <laughs> we have songs to this day that you can get on Apple Music and iTunes and stuff. You so, serious? Yep. So great. y'all have been super talented. Yeah. Since y'all were, I mean, y'all twins, so y'all already special. Right. Thank you. But yeah. but you were rapping, opening up for really big acts. Yep. Mm-hmm. We had CDs. We were on the radio. Um, we met with big record labels, Rockefeller, uh, Kylie Park, all that good stuff. Oh, yeah? So, yeah. so you've been hanging out around here. Oh, yeah, a little bit. A little okay. Bit. Yep. Okay. Yep. So what happened with the music career? So, uh, we, you know, it was okay. I was our manager. Um, I did a lot of great things for us. It was, just to be completely honest, it was a lot of what people say it is. It was a lot of, like... BS. Um, You know, I thought I was exempt by me being a tomboy. So I said, well, let me be our manager and take the lead. But the guys were still just doing inappropriate stuff and asking for inappropriate stuff. So we ran into that a lot. Like it was a lot of sexual stuff Um, and a lot of just faulty people. You know what I mean? So we had spent so much money into it and time. And then after a while, we were just like, you know what? We'll do it for fun. But we're not necessarily trying to be like a famous artist or anything like that. But we went by Twin City. Um, then we changed our name to Styles and Swag. I was Swag. And then our <laughs> final name after we met with, we did a song with one of Kanye's producers. And we changed our name to, what was our last name? Twin City, I think it was. Twin City. Twin, Twin City was Twin the City. last name. Yep. Because it was the twins first. It was the twins. Then it was Styles and Swag. Now it's Twin City. So so that lasted how long? Um, we just We stopped doing music, I want to say, maybe about 10, 12 years ago. Okay. Stopped t- doing it seriously. We still... Sharice, my twin sister, she freestyles wherever we're at. Nah. So next time you see her, I'm going to tell you, put her on, on blast and have her freestyle. But she's really, really good. So at one point in time, I stepped back and then she was just the artist. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like her hype man manager that lasted for about a year. Um, and then we just stepped completely back from it. That's a crazy but it business. Was, it was fun. It's a crazy business. It's for a crazy sure. business. Yeah, crazy I, business. I know. I mean, I was just telling somebody only a few people make it. So like mm-hmm. when they all say, I saw them had an article on Lil Wayne and how baby was still getting money from him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but you got to realize if it wasn't for all the sacrifices that baby exactly. made, will be no Lil Wayne. Exactly. I don't care how talented he is. Somebody got to make, especially those guys in Absolutely. them circles had to make sacrifices. Absolutely. He probably spent money on another hundred different artists that exactly. just didn't make it. So you're right. When I get one that make it, okay. I need my money. Absolutely. I need my money. Absolutely. So, so no more, no more music business over 10, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So what's, you got to make money. So you're not coaching. Yep. You're not yep. hooping. Yep. You're not rapping. Mm-hmm. You, so now what happened? So what I did was I was really, um, always, it just, when I went into a barbershop or a salon, I don't know if it was, it was a combination of the smell and also just I felt like the freedom that the barbers had. I just always used to walk in like, man, they get to dress how they want to dress, make their own schedule. It seems like a fun job. 
my mother and my sister worked in the salon growing up too. My okay. mother used to own a salon. So when I was young, I used to do eyebrows just because I'm an artist too, so I can draw. So I would do eyebrows in the salon and I was like, man, I really like this. But, you know, I would mention it to some people and they're like, no, you got to be a basketball star. What do you mean? You're the number one basketball player in the state, in the region. Wow. I won a lot of awards. Um, so, you know, I kind of kept it to myself. I did some research and that's why it's important. So I remember a guy told me and it still stuck with me to this day. He said, you know, barbers only get cigarette money. And I was like, well, what is that? He said, they get just enough to go outside and smoke a cigarette. And I was like, dang, I do see a lot of barbers outside smoking a cigarette. <laughs> you do. They, they barely making money. I was like, man. So what I did was I just did research and I started looking at the barbers in Atlanta, in mm -hmm. L.A. And I'm like, hold on. These dudes driving nice whips. They got nice cars. It's something out there. So that's what motivated me to still stick with it. So then when I moved to Atlanta, I was working as the operations manager for a chauffeur transportation company. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I set myself up and made myself an asset. I studied like all the software. I didn't teach nobody. So I was like, yeah, they're going to have to pay me because nobody <laughs> knows what I know. Um, so I kept getting a raise. I literally, <laughs> I literally would tell them, look, I got an offer on the table. If they wouldn't pay me $5 more, what you guys want to do? And they're like, okay, we'll pay you. So I did that like every eight months until they started to slowly start training themselves on the software. Mm -hmm. They saw what I was doing. But really I just want, I was like, you know, it didn't feel right. It was okay. It was a flexible job. It was good paying. But I still, I feel like, was trying to just find myself and be free. So I was like, you know what, let me pursue the barbering. And again. Why did you choose Atlanta over L.A.? Atlanta? Yeah, it just seemed like it was an easier transition. Okay. L.A. seemed like it was a really, really big city and Hollywood and all of that. So I had a couple of connects in Atlanta. And prior to moving, I had planned a whole year before we moved. I sat down with okay. my family and I said, look, you guys, you're all willing to move to Atlanta, y'all. We'll have better opportunities. And everybody was like, yeah. So we saved up for a whole year. Another quick story I want to share real quick. Saved up for a whole year, corresponded with this realtor for about six months on this property that we were going to move into, right? Sent her, she made me pay two or three months in advance. So we're all set. I'm like, cool. I got my family set. My sister, my twin sister. I have younger twin sisters. So we have another set of twin sisters. Really? Yep. <laughs> then I have a brother and my mom and my sister had a son. So it was all of us, right? So literally the night that we're moving, mind you, I had rented the biggest U-Haul that they have, which they need to require a CDL for that really big U-Haul. But I got it stuck <laughs> on the side of a building. So I hit a store, right? So I'm on three wheels, damaged the truck like crazy. These gentlemen helped me get it off of the fourth wheel and... We're good to go for the next morning. But literally that night while my family and all our families in there celebrating us leaving that next morning, we're all packed and ready to go. I got a call from the realtor. And she was like, I'm sorry to tell you, but you guys can't move into the to the house. And I'm like, what? Like, we've been working on this for six months. You know, I'm bringing my whole family. And so, you know, I went outside. I heard them in there just laughing and happy. So I'm trying to figure it out. I ended up contacting an old realtor. And she said, well, I have a condo that's like halfway finished. The basement isn't done. It's a two bedroom. But you guys, you know, the owner said you guys can move in so i didn't tell my family until the next morning but we just pushed through and i always tell people that story because it was like it was so many situations that i could have just been like you know what it's not meant for us to go like damn we don't even have nowhere to go i worked on this for six months and we don't even have anywhere to go maybe it's meant for us to stay but we pushed through i was determined i said mind you too when i was about to pull out somebody came in the u-haul truck and stole my laptop Right when I'm about to leave, that was going to guide me there. And I had the map up and everything. So I'm like, goodness. Wow. But I just still kept pushing through. I said, we going, y'all. So we packed up. We all came down here and lived in a two-bedroom for six months and then moved into a house. But, you know, I knew it's what I wanted. I was determined just to get to a better environment. And so everybody came. 
everybody came. Everybody's still here. Best See, that's one of ever. that's one of those. I'm glad you said that's one of those stories where when we look up 20 years from now, 30 years from now. It's just gonna be like, man, yeah. the whole family came. What exactly. is it all? What what was it? The Beverly Hills Village? Remember they they packed up and left when they got the oil. They went to, then they go to Beverly Hills when they I, hit the oil. I don't remember. I can't. It was the whole family. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, so <laughs> so came to Atlanta. Yep, I know I'm all over the place too. I got my no my story no crazy. no. You, so we're now, so we're now we're in Atlanta. Okay, um, but you're driving. For the chauffeur? Well, I'm not driving. I'm working in the office. You're working so in the I'm, office. Yep, okay, I'm, for I'm the chauffeur. I'm drivers and stuff like that. But you finally decided to leave. It just wasn't right. It was yep. too... So now you go to what? But you got to go to barber school. Absolutely. So when did you go to... You, you you were supposed to go to barber school. Okay, let's say that again. You should go to barber school. Because <laughs> they're not going to school out here. Um, and you can tell. <laughs> Atlanta is big for that. Um, so yeah, so what I did was I gave up my good paying job. I went to Walmart. Worked overnight at Walmart. Okay. They gave me a management position right away. Worked overnight, hated it. I could not just understand why I was up working while people were sleeping. <laughs> it was killing me. Um, but I went to barber school, knocked out barber school. The people in barber school are, are not surprised at my success. I'm sure they're not because I was one of those students that was just determined. Uh, you know, anytime anybody came in for a haircut, some students would run, go outside, smoke break. I'm like, look, come on here and here. But you don't get practice. paid when you at school? You well, don't. Or you just got to go and cut them up? Yeah. But you but can you, mess up and be okay. Absolutely. Because it's a $2 knew. cut. Exactly. It's a $2 <laughs> cut or a dollar cut. So it was like get, in, get all the practice in while you can because when you get in the real world and you're charging people, then yeah. it's going to be a problem. So I was just on top of it. Um, I actually taught a lot of the students because it was a nine-month program, and six months into the program, they hadn't even taught us a haircut. And I'm like, well, y'all just trying to get the financial aid money? Like, yeah. teach us how to cut. So I was on YouTube and stuff like that. And I would come back and show the students, like, look, this is how you fade. This is how you do this and do that. Um, but I was just real determined to get through barber school. As soon as I graduated, I worked the first day, which was New Year's Eve, um, and just took off from there. Took off from there. So you started out. So now, you, are you still working at Walmart? Uh, for about a few months, I slowly try to trans. Only I actually, I take that back. Maybe like a month, I did, uh -huh. and then I just complete, completely quit Walmart and just and went straight stuff. barber. Yep, straight barber. Could you cut? Oh yeah. Could you I fade? Could, absolutely, I could draw Bart Simpson, Mickey Mouse. I could fade. Could you? I could, yep. So one thing I'm gonna say this about you. You got some confidence. I'm talking about you dunking, you rapping, you can fade. Hey, it's facts. It can all be proven. So. It can all be proven. Absolutely. You got the receipts. I got the receipts. I love it. So you you started cutting hair. Yep. Right? What was Sis? Sis was, let me see, at that time, she was here. Okay. Sis was really big in the corporate world. She okay. had a really, really big position with Samsung. So she traveled around the world, tested all their products, introduced their new products, um, so she was doing that. She had a really good paying job in the corporate world. Like, are y'all twins like where, like, if you hungry, she hungry twins? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But one, one weird thing did happen back in the day when we were, like, teenagers. She fell and, like, cut her ear. Uh -huh. And the next morning I woke up with the exact same cut. So that was the only, like. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So y'all got a special bond. <laughs> yeah, we so, do. So is, you said y'all you have a younger set of twins, too? Yep, that are 22. Wow. Yeah, I mean, my mama actually was pregnant with a third set of twins, but she lost them. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. She kept popping out two at a time. Two at a time. Y'all yeah. got twins, like, all throughout the family? Yeah, twin cousins, um, twin, pretty much cousins that I can think I of. I got it. Like. So, yeah, run in the family. Yeah, it does. So, yeah. you're a barber mm -hmm. for how long? I want to say I retired about three, four, three years ago. So, you, you really could have for seven, eight years, mm -hmm. like, in the barbershop. Yep. Where? 
at um off South Cobb in Smyrna. I was at that location for the first time for a couple of years, and then I went to a place called um, Salon Ramsey that was downtown. Downtown, uh huh. First one had the suites. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Yep. That's where I really saw the concept. I walked through and I was like, "Wait a minute." Hold he had on. one, I think, on 10th Street. 10th Street, right there by the uh, what's the what's the restaurant that they finally put up on the hill? It was a restaurant that they put somewhere. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I yep. remember he was the first person that I exactly. saw exactly. doing the concept. Exactly. Was, so he did it on a much larger scale. So with him, you could rent out suites like as big as the studio. Like you could rent out a suite really big and put six or seven chairs and really run your own yeah. mini salon. So he did the rooms much bigger, but that is the first time I was introduced to it. Um, is he still around? He is. Yep. He okay. has a location on the four place, and uh, that might be it, actually. I think that's the only location he's still About the four because he has, like like you said, he, he had, had that one the, building right yeah. there off of Northside. Yeah, yeah I, I just remember down, seeing it. It was just crazy there. I mean, you can go there and get anything, food, haircut. Yeah, he, he had a good. Anything. I mean, but he was one of the pioneers yeah. from, what, from what I see. So you yeah. started. You cut, mm -hmm. and then you went over there, and yep. so you got your own booth, or you went into somebody's, like, setup that was there already? Got you. So I didn't actually go to the work at the 10th Street location. Okay. Um, they when they, they abruptly had to move, and they moved to the four place. Okay. Um, so I went there. And so what I did was, as soon as I found out they were moving, Ramsey had been reaching out to me, like, every couple of months. And I'm like, okay, I see he's interested. So when I found out they were moving, what I did was I went to the location, and I literally would go up there, like, every week. And I was really watching the build-out. I was there when they put the tape on the ground, when they was doing the plumbing, and I was just walking around because I knew I was going to do it. So I was just learning everything and seeing how he was doing it. So I watched them build it, um, rented out a space there, saw how he managed it, and just really was just soaking everything up. Um, worked there for about a year. And then I partnered with a guy named Montana to open Synergy Suites. I don't know if you heard of Synergy Suites. Mm -hmm, it's also in Midtown. Um, we opened Synergy Suites. I worked with him for about a year. Then we parted ways. And then I started my own brand, Encore, in 2017. Um, and well, That was six years ago. You've been at this for a minute yeah. with the salon suites. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I'm one of the first franchisees, the first one to really just teach it and all of that. So you went to work. Now you, what made you know, I'm going to do some salon suites? Like, so I walked in. I always wanted to own a barbershop. So that okay. was always a dream of mine. But I walked in, and what happened was I started counting them doors. I said, wait a minute. Now, I know I'm paying him such and such. And then she paying him. <laughs> and he I said, wait a minute. He's making some money in here. And I love the concept because it's like be your own boss, right? So you got to decorate your own suite to reflect your style and really operate your business. Plus, it was less hands-off compared to a traditional barbershop. Mm -hmm. You're not micromanaging. You're not in charge of their scheduling, their products, Nothing. You literally just, like I always say, it's like real estate in the salon, hair, yes. and beauty industry. You know what I mean? You're just leasing them the space. So I said, wow, it's, it's less work and more money. It just made sense. No brainer. Plus, you can give people an opportunity to, you know, run their own business, which is what everybody wants to do nowadays. So you, so 2017, you opened up your First home, location. Yep. Encore. Yep. Why Encore? So it was, I think I had Encore, Signature, and another name. And I think I just got a poll from a bunch of my friends. And I believe that's how it was. I know I got a poll. I don't know if I actually used the results, but I just liked Encore because it was like, Encore, I'm going to do it again and again. I'm going to do it again. What was his first location? Uh, in the hood. <laughs> um, it was... Uh, <laughs> Because people were like, why are you opening up there? But it was the best location to this day. It still is. It's still it's um it's on it's off of Bolton Road in uh -huh. South Cobb. 
It's right there in the corner. It's amazing how that's changed, though. Oh, that, yeah. That's, that's what do they call it now, West Midtown now? Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing because you come Absolutely. right up Jackson, you come straight Listen. from the hood up Jack, Jackson Parkway, <laughs> and you're like, man, this is just, because I was over the other day, I'm like, man, I remember growing, because I'm from here. Okay. And so I remember, man, you know, that was, you know, intersection Listen. of Perry Holmes, Bankhead Court, everybody yep. can kind of hang out. <laughs> exactly. That was horrible, though. And then you it still was. had, you know, the stuff where people, Marietta Boulevard, where it was like all the trucks. Yep. It was just a industrial type exactly. bad area, but exactly. it's changed so much. It has. It so has. you're still actually, over there? Yep, still over there. And they're actually building a big uh, apartment complex right, right near us. But it's a lot of new things, new developments mm -hmm. and stuff coming in that area. So, yeah, so, I was having to kick bums out the first two months. I was... They were sleeping in the building, sleeping in the elevators, so it was a minute to take over. But You had a blank canvas space that you had to build out, or how did this, so so you go over here and get this space. You okay. you was with, you, you split partnerships with the first guy yep. that you went in, Partner so you ready. just said, you know what, I'm going to go get my own. Yep. Walk me through it. What? How did that start? Okay, so um, I was saving up, um, and then I went worked with a realtor named Donna, and so we actually, that, that location, that Atlanta location was the first location we toured. And I was like, yeah, no, this is not going to work at all. So we ended up touring for like three more months. And then she was like, well, why don't you like the Bowling location? Now, mind you, this is what I teach to in my class. If you can find a location that's like an old medical or office building, mm -hmm. it already has the rooms in it. It's already suited out. It already has top of the line electrical, plumbing, and all of that. So those are easy to transition to a salon suite. So that's what that was. So the, all of those suites were there. I built one suite, and it was really just like the reception area. I just made like a royal suite and put glass all around it. But other than that, the suites were there. The plumbing was there. The electrical was there. I had to change the flooring, paint, make the lobby area. So I was like, you know what? Let me go for it. And um, and I did it, and I pre-leased the suites before we even opened. Like, How many suites is in there? 16. Oh, that's big. 16, yeah. So it was fun. It was a very stressful process. Because back then, again, nobody was teaching it, which is why I was inspired to teach it. Nobody was even helping you. It wasn't even that big, Salon Suites. Mm -hmm. So I was doing it on my own. Had to borrow money and, you know, pull some strings to make it happen. <clears throat> Architect guy ran off with my money, a lot of that type of stuff. So, um, but it was a lot, you know, a great learning experience. You know what I mean? How long did it take from signing the lease to grand opening? Or you know? um, Yep. So I would say... Three months. Now, even though the build out stuff only took about 30 days, it was the at that time I didn't know that I should not have been doing a permitting myself. So I was literally going to the city trying to do the permit. For sure. OK, listen. So I didn't know that and that my contract. I didn't know that my contractor should be doing this for me either. So I was doing that and I was going back and forth. And when I tell you, you know, I, to be honest, I hate to say it, but it was really like a racial situation with this guy who was at the city and he would literally, I would take my plans there and he would tell me what needs to be changed. I would change it, bring it back. And then he would tell me something else. And he kept doing that. And I said, well, can you just tell me everything at once? Like, why do you keep t telling me new stuff after I have to correct something? So I literally had to go to the city of Atlanta. I'm talking about, I stood on a table crying and everything. <laughs> like I was like, oh, my goodness, like I'm doing everything. This man is literally playing with me, just sending me back and forth. What more do I need to do? I literally cried. I was so stressed out, man. That I feel like I got a lot of anxiety from that experience. Um, and I remember this guy, this black guy came over there. And he said, <clears throat> he stamped it. He didn't even look at it or nothing. He just stamped it for me. And I said, thank you. And I was able to open. <laughs> and so since then, I made my own connects. But that was a terrible experience. But like I said, Lots of lessons. Lots so. of lessons. Lots of lessons. So you build them out. Yeah. You got your brand, Encore. Yep. yep. Right? Mm -hmm. That was 2017. Correct. 
You yeah. love it? I love it. We have four locations now. I opened Marietta that following year, 2018. Um, we opened Sandy Springs last year. Congratulations. Thank you. And we just opened a new location in Woodstock last week. So uh, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing this. So you went okay. 285, then you went to Marietta. What Correct. part of Marietta? Uh, Roswell Road, right by the Big Chicken. Okay. Like, like two lights down. So you still kind of 283, yep. go get off on a car parkway. For Marietta, yeah. get off on Roswell Road. Roswell Road. Yep. Okay, off of, got off you. Of 75. 75. All right, then you went to Sandy Springs. Correct. I mean, you're big time. Yep. <laughs> you ain't doing nothing on the south side. No, I'm actually trying to get to the south side right now. Okay, okay. So <laughs> I, I almost had a franchisee this close to doing something on the south side. Okay. So um, two of the locations we have now are franchise locations, two are corporate. So what I did with the Atlanta location, I put an ad up, right? So I franchised and I said, okay. You know, I was one of the, I was the first to franchise my salon suites. And I was one of the first, I inspired a lot of people to franchise their business just in general, um, which I'm proud of that. So um, this location was super lucrative. I had a great deal on a rent. So I was making crazy money. They gave me a year free of rent. Um, so I was doing really, really good. So I went to franchise. So uh, what I did was I put an ad up and said a salon suite business for sale. Right. And that was just like a strategy I used. And a lot of people, um, and responded or inquired about it. So told them that it was a franchise deal. So what I did was I sold the Atlanta location as a franchise, mm. but I, but it was a three unit deal. So in order for them to buy it, they had to open two more. So they bought that for a nice amount. Um, and it was still, and it's still a franchise. So I still get royalties afterwards. So I got a nice check, still get royalties. Wait a minute now. Let me, I got to back up now. You, <laughs> now you went to a whole nother level. So you start off as a barber. Now you've, a franchise, you're franchising. Franchising. So you yep. take the first location yep. right off Bolton Road. Mm -hmm. And what year did you? We saw the 2021. So you ran it for about three years, yep. three, three and a half years. Yep. Got it up and running. Everybody knows. Yep. That's where I want to be at. And then what made you think about starting to franchise? Good question. I had a friend that was like, you know, Sway, why don't you franchise? And I was like, what do you mean? And it was like, you know, like McDonald's does, you know, franchise. And he told me he knew a lady that franchised that had like 200 suites, um, like down south or something like that. So wow. I was like, dang, that's a good idea. And my mentor, which is CJ, um, ET's buddy, mm -hmm. he was like, yeah, why don't you, you know, find a way for people to buy into your business? You know, I know you're teaching people, but find a way for people to buy into your brand. So that was the inspiration behind that. I said, damn, that's a good idea. Let me go ahead and, and franchise. So I did that. Um, the franchising process isn't as difficult as people think. People are really intimidated by it. It's really more of the money. Well, I shouldn't say that. It, so it costs you about anywhere from fifteen to 25000 To the get main, it all set up. To get it all set okay. up. Because all of this is basically an FDD, which is like a 100-plus page document, and it just has all your information in it. But the main thing to franchise is you want to make sure you, you're able, you have systems, you know what I mean? So you're documenting everything. Gotcha. So if you just can't be there and you want to hand your business over to someone, they should know exactly how to run it. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. They're not documenting anything. They don't know how to pass the business on or provide the blueprint. So that's pretty much the, the most um, bulk of the work when it comes to franchising. You have to just fill out a lot of questions and do a lot of uh, paperwork. Um, but so I did that and put that ad out. These people were interested, and I said, okay, well, we'll franchise it, but you have to open two more. So we, my first franchise deal was actually a multi-unit deal, so it was a three-unit deal. So they are the ones that just opened the second location, the Woolstock location, last week. So if I come to you and I want to be a franchisee, mm -hmm. I guess is what it yep. is, 
like with them, they had in order to, because you said they, it was a three kind of unit deal. Right. So if, if they don't ever get to the third unit, what does that mean? So technically, um, that's a good question. I actually was thinking about that the other day. Um, I'm not really sure how that works, honestly, if they don't open the third location. I'm not really sure. I really need to look into that, to be honest with you. But luckily, um, they're really excited. They're okay. already looking for their third location. Um, but I know how we did it was we had to schedule it out. So first location is Atlanta. Second location, they had to open by like a year and a half. The third location, they had another year and a half to open it. So they're on schedule right now. Well, a little bit behind schedule, but the first location was a home run because it was exactly. already exactly they didn't have to. So they was turnkey. They turnkey. Just, they the day that they bought it from you, they, they was money. collecting money. That next Friday, absolutely. We get paid every Friday. Every Friday, every week, <laughs> every week. <laughs> I like every that. <laughs> yep. So I, I'm considered the franchisor, and they're okay. the franchisee. Now you don't have to do a multi-unit deal. I just did it that way. Um, if they wanted to buy Atlanta, because Atlanta was my baby. And I'm like, look, if y'all want to buy Atlanta, say, then I'm How hard was it to sell Atlanta? It was a little difficult at first, but then I had to just transition my mindset. Like, hold on, don't be all personally attached to it. It's a business deal. It's still your brand. It's going to help grow your brand. Yes. And that's exactly what it did. So um, that was a great move. That's actually kind of my model now. I'm building them up and then selling them to a franchisee to package them up in hopes that they do an additional two or three locations. So, so we got four now. Four now. Two corporate, two. So the, the person that bought the Atlanta actually owns the one you say in Woodstock. So so those the a franchise. So now correct. the two corporates are Marietta and Sandy Springs. Is there any difference? As far as what? what do you Just mean? the way yeah, they operate. It is, it is, it is. So I will say the Marietta one, it looks a little different. Now the Marietta one was another uh blessing because it was pretty much already sweeted out. It was literally ready to go. I think somebody was about to do, they were selling here and something happened and it fell through. So the rooms were already there. So that was a pretty easy one to open up. Um, the flooring is a little bit different, but for the most part, they still all have that encore look. We have our signature red stripe down the hallway, red, white, and platinum is pretty much our colors. Um, so they're different in size as well. So our Sandy Springs location has 25 suites, right. whereas Marietta has 11 Atlanta has 16, Woodstock has 12. And that's going to be challenging unless you build from the, like to make them, you know, like McDonald's, they know what they're going to build pretty much. Exactly. Right? But you're, you're leasing, buying existing locations because mm -hmm. it's easier. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I want to get into that. Okay. I'm, man, I want to start a uh, salon suite business, right? You should. And, well, I'm going to tell you what you said that okay. would make me have an interest is you already got the systems in place because mm -hmm. it's a lot of things where people talk about Airbnb. I didn't like it because, you know, I didn't get with anybody that had systems in place. Gotcha. I'm not running anything at this point. I got to stay focused on what I do. Mm -hmm. but that way we can invest. Right. But let me let me ask you this. I want to start. I have. I don't know. I got some money saved. Right. Okay. I know you do. Give me the process to come to you to. First of all, be a franchisee. Okay. So first of all, we pre-qualify you just to make sure that you do have the the, the um, capital and stuff like that to invest um, and that you have some type of experience for the most part. You know, the, the requirements are you don't have to have any hair or beauty experience required. Okay. Um, and for the most part, we just look for people who have some type of business sense, some, some management experience and just good people's people. Um, but we would do the pre-qual. After that, we would have to disclose the FDD to you which is that 100-plus page document. What does FDD stand for to you? Um, 
Franchise disclosure document. Okay. Franchise disclosure document. So every franchisee has to disclose a potential. Every franchisor has to disclose a potential franchisee, the FDD. Um, and then once you give them the FDD, you have to give them 12 days where we can't negotiate anything. So once I give it to you, you sign the NDA, you sign that you receive the FDD. I can't. We can't talk numbers for 12 days. I can answer any questions you have about just anything pertaining to it, but we can't talk any numbers legally for 12 days. After those 12 days, then we can go ahead and talk numbers. And then you would sign a franchise agreement and all the other documents that come with it. We usually give you um, exclusive territory. So, you know, we, we right now we have a three-mile radius territory. Um, once you sign, then we business partners and we get going. So then we go and find the property for you. When you franchise, we're literally doing most of it for you. Um, so we're finding your location. We're helping you find the architect. Um, we're helping you with the business plans, literally holding your hand throughout the entire process, all the way up into the build out. And then you have ongoing support forever. Um, we, My sister, I brought her to the business. She's been with us about two, almost three years now. She's okay. the president. And I brought a lot of her skills from the corporate world. So she helped us with create our SOP and a lot of the automations that we have now, thanks to Sharice. Um, Cause what was so, happening before her? You just making money and yeah, was, I was doing a lot of stuff backwards, okay. and just yeah, I was. I definitely didn't have too much stuff automated. Um, eventually, I started to slowly automate things like the payments and things like that. But Twin is just good at just man, she just knows how to get stuff done much quicker um, and more efficient than me. So um, we provide you with that. We have a software. You you will also get an app so you can run reports. Um, you can communicate with your beauty professionals. They can submit maintenance requests. Um, the app, the software, we do monthly calls with you as well. And then you pretty much have access to me. So if there's a situation where you have a question or something, you can send me an email or something like that. But we're pretty much business partners for as long as you're in business. So I come in, mm -hmm. how much do I need to have? All right, so that's a good question. Now, that depends really on the condition of the building that you lease or buy, because you can lease or buy. So, like I shared with you, the other buildings where they were already suited out, right? Mm -hmm. Something like that you could do for maybe 70000 Okay. Um, now, if you have to do a full build-out like we did at Sandy Springs, so there's no walls, no electrical, really no plumbing. you got to put the walls up, close the ceilings. You'll be closer to 120 150 depending on how big it is and how fancy you want to be, to right. be honest with you. But I would say a good number to start with would be like 100, 120. That's on the real estate side. But what about the business side? Me buying into the franchise? I got to oh, buy. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So there is a franchise fee. Okay. It's a 35000 franchise fee, and that's a one-time fee that's paid up front. And that's for our trademark, our ongoing support, all the support that we'll be providing you. And then there are royalties that you have to pay. So 6% royalties will go to us every month. Um, for as long as you're in business, business. That's six percent of net of gross. Gross. Six percent of gross. Yep. Six percent of gross. I love that. <laughs> Me too. Now that's all right. So, yep. so I come in. I got my thirty-five thousand. Uh -huh. Right. You train us. You. Yep. Do you help? Like, if say, if I say I want to open up one, like you open up Bolton Road, right? Mm -hmm. That was a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. wasn't it like to say I'm going to stay at Bolton Road yep. it wasn't any kind of like data to say it's this many people go by right. here right Right. so <laughs> is that the same like me as a franchisee I come in I got the money mm -hmm. but I don't know anything about areas I'm right what happens now when I give you the 35 we, okay. we waited my 12 days we signed it now what happens you help go pick that location we do so if you have a location in mind we'll definitely look into it and see if it fits nowadays we're definitely doing that due diligence and that research <laughs> especially because the competition is I mean you salon suites everywhere now. everywhere 
Um, but we want to make sure that the location is a good location. Now, the thing to consider is, you know, if it's if it's a somewhat saturated area, you can possibly still do it. You just need to look around and see what they're offering. Mm -hmm. Some of these salon suites are just thrown up, you know what I mean? And But if you do it really, really nice, you'll be able to lease out um, to tenants. And then also, if it's too saturated, you don't have to do it really big. You don't have to do 20 or 25. You can do 10, 11, 12 suites and still be pretty lucrative. So we would definitely do the research in that area and make sure it's a good location for you. What makes... Why do I go to Encore? Because I've seen, I just saw one. Golly, I was, um, might have been at Stonecrest. Okay. There was this huge one. I'm like. Oh, yeah, they are huge. I'm like, what is this? This is like a mall. They yes. took one of the old vacant, um, I don't know if it was like a drugstore or something, but it was. it's huge. Right? It probably had at least 100 suites in there. Oh, yeah. Right. What makes me pick an Encore over Great question. Great question. Well, the number one thing I like to tell people is that, like I said, we really take took in the time to create the systems. So, you know, I know people who own salon suites and it's like they're working a full time job. They're going in there manually collecting rent. They just in there working all day. We hardly ever have to go to our locations. I really don't ever go unless I'm taking them like a snack or something like that. But the biggest thing is that we have the systems in place. We have the automations in place to truly make it a semi-absentee um, business. And we have the experience. Me actually working in a salon suite and knowing what the beauty professionals need, which is a really big advantage. Um, and then the experience of owning different ones in different areas and stuff like that. On top of the fact that we do provide extra support to our beauty professionals. So we don't just take their rent. We have financial advisors come in. We have bank personnel come in. Wow. I myself do marketing classes. I give them a free ebook um, when they sign with Encore to teach them how to operate professionally, how to scale their business. Um, so we, we provide that extra support so that they can make their money to pay you your money. And at the end of the day, yeah, we yeah. got it. We want we want to keep that going. Absolutely, I need that six percent. Absolutely. <laughs> and another big difference too um, is the way we do our build out. So most of the bigger companies, like our competitors, My Salon Suite, they have 200, two hundred, almost three hundred locations. A lot of them do it where they fully furnish every one of their suites. Mm -hmm. So you have to use their chair, their shampoo bowl. So what we did, and I was the first to actually uh, do this concept, we didn't furnish every suite. Actually, the Atlanta location, none of the suites are furnished. And the reason being is because me being a beauty professional, and I actually um, did a poll on this as well, but most of the beauty professionals want to be creative. They want mm -hmm. a purple chair or a green chair. They don't want our standard black chair. So we um, didn't furnish the suite. So what we did is we created like a shared space, a room probably maybe this size. We'll put like three or four shampoo bowls on this wall, four dryers on that wall. And it's a shared space, so everybody can use it. Now, the benefit to that is, for one, our build-out, we save a lot of money in our build-out because we don't have to run plumbing through every single suite. We don't have to furnish every single suite. We don't have to inspect all the furniture because you know they're not taking care of your furniture. Um, but the beauty professionals like it because, yes, they like their privacy, but they like to socialize with some of the other beauty professionals. You know, some of these places, it's so private. You have everything in your suite. You don't even know who you're working next to. Mm -hmm. But in this case, they're able to go to the shampoo bowl, speak to each other, meet each other, become friends. And I feel like that's why a lot of people stay at Encore because they're all friends and they actually get to, um, you know, talk to each other. So we don't have to charge them that much either because it's not furnished. They get more room. They get more creativity. They get to socialize, which helps the retention. Um, and we save money. So it's a win-win on both ends. Wow. I like that. So mm -hmm. I got it. So I see now why we pay in the Encore. Mm -hmm. So now... I'm going to break this back down, though. Okay. You started by saying that you also educate. Correct. 
the hair industry, like other hair professionals. Yes. Yep. What does that look like? Okay, so um, I, I speak a lot at a lot of the hair shows. I go to a lot of the hair schools. Um, and I do have a course online as well for hair and beauty professionals. So that's going to be a barber, lash tag, hairstylist, teeth whitening, spa, masseuse, anybody in the hair, beauty, and spa industry. And, again, just teaching them how to do things like set up for retirement, you know, connecting them with my wealth advisors and setting them up for retirement. This industry is it's a beautiful, lucrative, fun, and exciting industry, mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't have the exit plan. I see people uh, that are super, no, I won't say super old, but I've seen 70, 80-year-olds still behind the chair cut. And I know they don't prefer that, but they don't have an exit plan. Um, so there's not there's not much educational stuff online for people in this industry. So I took it upon myself to just try to take the things that I learned and how I was able to scale myself as a barber and then as an owner and teach them the little things, you know, like being professional, being on time, respecting your oh, clients' um, being time. Being on time. Say exactly. that again. Exactly. Being, being on time. On, just because you the stylist don't mean you get to just be reckless. And, <laughs> and they wonder why there's a revolving door. You know, the goal is to keep your clients. You want your clients to come back. And in their heads, some of them are like, it's okay, somebody else will get that, that spot. But that's why you can't raise your prices. That's why that demand isn't there because you pissing people off and you got to keep getting new clients. Once you do it right and your clients keep coming back on top of new clients, now you got that demand. Now you're super um, booked. Now that's when you can think about, okay, maybe raising my price and things like that. But it's those little things, keeping your suite clean, budgeting, making sure you have a business account and you're not just, you know, we deal with so much cash and stuff like that. So no, make all your clients book through one portal and have all your money going into one place so that you can scale, you can go get loans and just all of that stuff. Like So the online course takes us from being behind the chair, whether I'm a lash tech or a barber or yep. stylist, to all the way through my exit strategy in the course. Yep. Wow. Yep. yep. Teach them that. I give them other investment ideas inside the industry and outside of the industry. Um, but, yeah, just trying to offer them some type of support and, you know, just – uh, so many beauty professionals, I feel like, work all day. They don't enjoy their life. Um, and then, like I said, when they get older, it's like, what now? Or even if they injure their hand, you know, getting spend, spending $10 a month for hand insurance. So if you get injured, now you're not making any money. Hold on. Wait a minute now. So you said it's, there's a hand insurance? Yeah. You know, I never thought about that. Yeah, absolutely. Think about that. If you're using your hands to make money and then you get hurt and you out for 30 days, how are you making money? Now you're stressing trying to pay bills because you need your hands to braid or to cut. Or your foot, you know what I mean? Like, I injured my foot, and I cut my hand. So, um, yes, there's a, it's either 10 or $20. I remember Allstate offered it, but, yeah, it covers your hands in the event that you get That's injured. That's the first time I ever heard anybody say anything about hand, hand insurance. Really, yeah. Wow. Yeah, specifically for this industry, too. So I'm sure they have it for other industries, but it's one for, like, beauty and barber insurance. So in the course, because I, I like that. How much is the course? Two ninety nine. Did you say two nine? That's it. It is. It is. This so, is cool. This course I really did just out of just the kindness of my heart. It ain't even about the money. It's just like, man, my people need this, and I just love giving back. So I didn't charge too much for this course. So now I can spend two ninety nine. Mm -hmm. I can work all day Saturday to make me three hundred dollars cutting hair, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Well, haircuts are twenty five, thirty dollars now. So fifty dollars now. They get up there. Woo! Yeah, they starting <laughs> to feel some kind of way. I learned to cut my hair during the pandemic. So <laughs> now, nah, but I go all the time. Um, but I can take my business to the next level mm -hmm. then i can save up enough money to 
Buy a franchise. Absolutely. Buy a franchise. Or I understand that people want to start their own brand. So I have students, like if you look at my page, I have students in Canada, South Carolina, Florida, that literally have taken my course and went through and opened. I mean, I have about maybe 20 students that actually have opened their own salon suites all across the world. So the course teaches you how to open a salon suite as well? So I have two courses. So I have okay. this course for the beauty professionals. Okay. And then I have the course for the salon suite for people who don't want to franchise, but they want to start their own brand. Then they can take the salon suite course. How much is that one? That one's $16.99. Okay. Yeah. And that shows me how to go get the funding, how to identify the location. Yep. It's everything. Everything from beginning to end. So the difference between taking the course and franchising, the course I'm telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. We do have our monthly Zoom calls, so we answer a lot of questions on there. We have a private Facebook group, which we put a lot of good information on there. Um, but I'm more telling you what to do. It's up to you to literally go and execute. Um, in regards to the franchise, I'm doing a lot of it with you and for you. So we're like business partners. Gotcha. And you have access to me 24-7 as opposed to once a month with the course. But the course is super loaded, though. And I update it all the time. Um, I add our Zoom calls to it. So it has some gems in there for That's sure. That's big. It is. It should so be about 5,000. How many people, like right now, do you know have opened up suites because of taking the course? Like, do you... Off the top of my head, let me see. When did you start? When did you release the course? The course has been out for maybe two years. Okay. Yeah. Um, some people take it and they, they they take it secretly and they don't tell me what they're doing. They go open. They they don't want to say that they took a course. Um, but the people that I know, <laughs> I want to say, like I said, close to 20. I want to say like 15, 16 That's people. Huge. Yep, that I know of that actually have that that I went out to their location or they keep me posted and send me updates and stuff like so that. You'll travel and go. Yeah, if they're local, just because I'm really excited. It's not a part. It's not included in the course. so I won't travel to everybody. But if they're local, which a lot of my students are in Atlanta. Um, yeah, I like to go just to see. So you're saying some people in Atlanta that opened up suites after they took your course. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No competition. Forever Beauty Suites. Not at all. It's enough for everybody. I love it. It's enough for everybody. You said, what, what's the name of one of them? Forever Beauty Suites. Um, another one is Opulent Salon Suites. Where have I heard uh, of Opulent? Uh, that's in know. 20 West. I forget. The, I forget. Like Douglasville area. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I have a student in Florida. Um, student in South Carolina that just opened this week. A student in Canada that I'm helping out. So. Have you been to Canada? I have not. But I actually said I would go just because she's my first out of the country. I said, I'll go in and, and, and just check Even when out. you was in Lansing, you didn't slide through Detroit? Oh, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I did. <laughs> okay. I did slide. I, I yep. figured now. Yep. I knew you were slid through Detroit somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So you educating. Yeah. Taking people to the next level. Mm-hmm. And we can do the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned a book. Yeah. I heard you say an e-book or is it a book or e-book? Good question. So I have an e-book for... The beauty professionals, I have an ebook for the salon suite, but I have a physical book, and this is what really my most exciting project. Now, this is outside you of You just did one on your birthday I did. last year, right? Exactly. Okay. You pay attention. Yeah, right. I pay attention now. <laughs> um, this book is um, a physical book, um, and it's called um, Real Lessons for Real Life What They Don't Teach You in School. This book is, like I said, my most exciting um, project because. I worked on it for like two years, really a lot of overthinking, trying to make sure the kids would digest it and retain the information. It wasn't too overwhelming. So I have it right now targeted towards high schoolers. Mm-hmm. And it literally is everything. I'm sick I didn't bring one. It's literally everything that they don't teach you in school. So from how to have confidence to how to speak and make an eye contact and how that you know makes people just respect you more and be more confident in what you're saying. How to, if you're in trouble with your parents or in school, instead of just sitting there in punishment, 
find a way to get out of that, right? Go ask your parents to wash your car, wash their car. Or if you're in school, ask for a tutor, ask for extra assignments, um, how to deal with anxiety, depression, or if you see another student that's dealing with it, how to support them all the way up until being an entrepreneur and that everyone doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. You know, it's not for everybody. It's okay. You can be super successful and happy working a nine to five, or you can be an entrepreneur. Um, how to start a business. I give them a brief overview of credit. Um, I think I said speaking confidently, loving yourself. I think I said that it's like 26 chapters. I'm sick. I don't have it in front of me, but it's a lot of what made you write that book because I was like, man, you know what? All this, I learned so much in school. Like, they teach you so much. Those math equations, we don't never use them. I ain't figured out geometry Never yet. use them. I'm, I'm like, still, I'm, I'm still, geometry still to, got me. <laughs> like, why do we have to learn all of that stuff? Even, you know, yeah, they teach you a lot about our history, but I feel like they don't teach you about the future. Like, y'all teaching us about how our parents and our grandparents grew up, but how do we survive? You know what I mean? Like, y'all not telling us that. So, I just feel like a lot of real lessons, real life lessons, they don't teach you in school. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's like how to really survive in the real world, how to be happy, how to really get your dream life. Um, so I just was really like, you know what? If I would have knew some of this stuff in school, I can't imagine where I would be today. But I was like, man, we need to really set our kids up for the future. You know, they they start taking life serious after they graduate in high school. Then they try to learn all of this. And it's like it's possible, but you're a little behind the ball. If we could just start teaching kids early how to just love themselves, how to not judge people, how to be confident in themselves. Those are a lot of great characteristics. Yep. Like you said, not judging. Exactly. How to love themselves. I have affirmations in there for them to read. I have I show them how to goal set um, and just, you know, motivating them and inspiring them to be whoever they want to be. You know what I mean? And I just think that's really, really important nowadays. So. Do you get a chance uh, since you've released the book? Have you had a chance to get to like high schools to speak or? Not yet, but we okay. are working on the tour. My plan is to definitely get it in schools, get it in stores. Right now it's currently on Amazon, um, but the goal is to definitely get it in schools. So I have a really big plan for it. So Because yeah, it's needed. It is. It, it, it it's, is. It's, you know, when you think about it, some of the issues that we keep seeing mm -hmm. is because they didn't have. Some kids didn't exactly. have. And you overcompensated. You start going to the wrong crowd because exactly. I felt some kind of way. Yep. It's a lot that, like you say, we're responsible for them. Exactly. We are. It's tough now. Exactly. I know it growing is. up now, we yep. had other people that were, and I think A I'm village. in that age range where it had just started changing where people in the neighborhood stop being able to say, hey, go sit down. Yes. Right? And yep. then you had the older dudes start acting like us and mm -hmm. you know because i grew up in the 80s early 90s mm -hmm. right and that's when it's i think started to change like mm -hmm. they blame these kids mm -hmm. it really started with us yeah. like the people that our age that had kids kids that are 25 and 40 you know so mm -hmm. we gotta go, we gotta get back and Absolutely. it's gonna take some strong people like Absolutely. yourself to get in those schools because it's a lot of work it is because you're gonna hear some stories you're gonna be like, oh my god oh yeah i hear them like, now to this day and it blows yeah. my mind so and at the end of each chapter we have a work so it's not too much you know what i mean it's not like i'm gonna have a volume two come out with we're going to go uh, uh, a deep dive, but it's just enough to just get them, get their attention going. It's not going to bore them. And then we have a worksheet at the end just to make sure that they did actually retain the information. Um, and then I have different ways where the parents can introduce it to them. You know what I mean? The kids probably won't voluntarily just say, Hey, I want to read this book. So in the event that they're like in punishment or something like that, you don't want to present it as a punishment, but it's just like, Hey, since you have downtime and you're not watching TV or on your phone or your game or whatever, why don't you, Help yourself. Invest in your future by reading two chapters of that book and, and answering two worksheets. Invest in yourself. So just introducing it in a positive way to them. 
You're on a whole other level. <laughs> so look, I got to ask you this. Okay. What does delayed gratification mean to you? Delayed gratification means to me just waiting your turn. You know, wait, just having patience, putting in all the work in the grind now, knowing, confidently knowing that it's going to pay off sooner than later. What does that look like when you don't know when it's going to pay off, though? Yeah, you j- it, it don't look like nothing because you can't see. <laughs> you just got to have that faith. You got to just know. And that's why I tell people sometimes you don't see the end result. Sometimes you just won't see it. But if you just believe that it's going to be what you want it to be and manifest it, it will be. It can be bigger than what you even imagine. You know, so it's just having that faith and trusting that all this hard work is going to pay off. Just trusting that because it will. You know what I mean? And just having that faith and just staying consistent with it. And you will slowly see it start to come and pay off in a big way. Have you experienced any delayed gratification? Yeah, I will. I will say all that hard work say, paying off now. I will say like with my salon suite course, that that course took me a lot of work and it slowly paid off. But now it's, it's doing its, it's thing. Doing, it's so. doing what it's supposed with to no do. No ads, no nothing. No so. ads. If you were to Think about something that you got to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You got to delay your gratification now. Tell me what that looks like in five years. What is something that, where you want to be at? How many franchises do you want to have? Franchisees mm-hmm. you want to have? That's a good question. Um, how many franchisees? In five years, it would be nice to have 50. Mm, okay. It would. Yep. Um, and I'm doing something right because I got some of the top the Pepsi and the Coca-Colas of the salon suite industry, they're already trying to acquire Encore. They're literally emailing me every day trying to buy my whole brand and everything. So, What does um, that look like? $10 million? It should look around something like that. We're still negotiating right now. But ideally, I want to try to see how I can partner with them. Um, give me some equity in the company. But partner with them. So to still keep the brand and just blow it up. You know what I mean? So, But yeah, ideally, I would like to have about 50 franchisees. Um, and I really want to get into the health um, juice bar industry. Yep. So I want to open me one of those. This year, my, my priority right now is getting into real estate. That's the only thing I'm not in right now. What do you mean you're not in I, it? I did a flip in Detroit some years ago, and I had some deals on the table that just never went through. So I'm, like, really trying to take it serious this year, and I'm like, I got to diversify, and this is the only thing I'm missing. So this year, I am buying some property I'm doing something in real okay. estate for I'm sure. Hold, you know I'm going to hold you to uh, that please, now. That's why I was at your uh, meeting. I'm <laughs> I trying to tap in. Seriously, my sister, by the way, just um, passed a realtor test last week. Okay. So she's a, a oh, realtor. Oh, she's finna kill that. Oh, yeah, yep. <laughs> so we were ready. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. How can we find you? Where do we find you at? How can we sign up for the courses? Absolutely. So Sway underscore the pro on social media. Also SwayThePro.com. Um, for the Salon Suite course, the website is the TheSalonSuiteModel.com. Um, and all of this is on Sway the Pro as well. Uh, but yeah, pretty much on there you can find everything. My ebooks, my courses, my youth book, consultations. I do consultations, um, speaking engagements, all of that. Whole so, nine. Whole nine. Listen, this has been a blessing. I Thank appreciate you. you for being on. Thank you for having me. Uh, I look forward to just watching you grow uh, and preferably we'll be able to do some stuff together. Thank you. Thank so, you. I appreciate that. Thank you for being in yeah. here. It's funny. My sister said, she said, Ramon, well, she said F with you, but he messed with you. He messed with you. <laughs> and then it was like a few days later, you hit me about the interview. I said, look at Twin spoke that into existence. Yes, yes. I love so it. I appreciate the support. I, I sure. love to see 
when we're doing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and when we're inspiring other people. That's why I like social media. I I scroll for funny stuff, yeah, but I'm always looking for the positive. Absolutely. I'm always looking for, Absolutely. oh man, I saw somebody. Oh my God! Look what they just did. And I'll send it to my kids or send it to somebody. Like this is what this is for. Exactly. So and you're one of those for. people. So Thank I appreciate you. So you. Uh, my pleasure. Um, I again coming in here today. Just I know you're gonna change some lives when they watch this and they listen to this. Mm-hmm. Be some life changing. Absolutely, that's my goal. Uh, yeah. So Thank you. hey, y'all, listen. Thank y'all for watching another episode of the Delayed Gratification Podcast. Y'all, today is life changing. Make sure you stick around for the next episode.